to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Welcome, listener, to Big Red Couch's Gen Con 50 Retrospective, in which, well, it's pretty much what Craig did on his holes, so how'd it it go? It, this is going to be more or less the, the audio equivalent of, I've set up the slide projector, we're in an explosively hot room, and you're going to look at photos of people you've never heard of, don't care about, and by the end of want to die. I'll get the eye clamps and the book on Ludovico techniques <laughs> ready. <laughs> excellent, excellent. I'll prepare the catheters. <laughs> this went to a dark place almost immediately. It did. It really did. It's part of our well, charm or something. Uh, indeed, indeed. So, this is a biggie. Gen Con 50. I wasn't aware role-playing games were 50 years old, actually. I just thought about it the other day and thought, wait a second. Yep. That is... Uh, unless I failed maths, and I, I suspect I may have, we're talking that the, the original... We're saying the original one was in 1967? Something like that, though, as I understand it, there may also have been a Gen Con Zero, possibly in Gary Gygax's basement. Right. Just to confuse everything. Also, somebody has already cropped up on the Gen Con forums to point out that this is not the 50th anniversary of Gen Con, it is the 49th anniversary of Gen Con, and Gen Con 51 will be the 50th anniversary of Gen Con, and a large number of people have contacted that person from the Pedantic Society, I'm sorry, the Pedantic Association, um, (laughs) to say, yeah, you're the only one who said it was the anniversary, pull your head in. So that's been going very well. Fair enough, and it it, it got. I suppose it, it implies the, yeah, but it's still it's a hell of a long time. It is. It is a hell of a long time. Um, it's quite impressive, especially given the uh, sort of financial some of the financial missteps that have happened along the way. That the damn thing's still going. Yes. Well, any convention actually that can get to its fiftieth iteration is doing extremely well. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, particularly an annual convention. Yes, it's certainly doing better than most music concerts. Ooh, good point, yeah. (laughs) All right. Yeah, I had a hell of a good time. Um, I would have to say that, aside from the Gen Con 50 banners, it honestly didn't feel that different to Gen Con 49 or Gen Con 48. Crowd levels... Crowd level seemed about the same to me, just from a sort of walk. How difficult is it to walk through this crowd experience? So they're they're managing their the the packing issue of getting that many nerds into a fixed amount of space. Pretty much. I mean, they do seem to be using most of Indianapolis at this point. Fair enough. Um, I had a game out on the field at the football stadium, which was pretty cool. It was a good game, and Mm -hmm. very little in the way of background noise, apart from when one of the other groups, I think possibly the Nazcrag crowd, did a bit of a call-response yelling thing for about five minutes. Other than that, it's a stadium. It just eats up the noise. It was fantastic. Right. There was was no problem with air horns or people scoring touchdowns or anything like that. Or if they did, they were doing it quietly. Fair enough. Uh, I have no idea whether there were people sitting up in the uh, sort of up in the seating watching people gaming. It was that far away, or <laughs> you um, just weren't paying attention. I I just wasn't paying attention. I didn't bother to look. But also, it's I, mean, I did take some pictures from the floor. It's it's a football stadium with a retractable roof. It's a pretty big space. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I have limited experience of stadia and related facilities. Um, so I'm going to take your word for it. I would assume that if people are in the stadium and are able to see the field, it would work the other way around, unless there's some aspect of time and space and these sorts of places that I don't understand at all. Maybe up in the nosebleed section it might be difficult. Um, certainly picking somebody, you know, sort of picking a face out of the crowd would be difficult because... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just, I just didn't think to look, basically. Fair enough. 
you were you were you were in the moment. You were completely committed to your role on the team. I I, I was in the zone. Yes. And apparently playing a horrifying Jessica Jones ripoff. That is not a cosplay I am in a big rush to see, but more power to you if you pull it off. Uh, this was this was purely in the, the tabletop sense. I was not dressed as Jessica Jones. I just don't have the legs for him. <laughs> Fair enough. I've got the hair, but not the legs. Also, the, the beard could be an issue. The four greatest days in gaming, or and, and four of the most sold-out days in gaming. I guess there's, it's possible that they... Do they sell out all the four-day tickets, or do they sell out all of the tickets for all of the days? It's probably the, the, the... First one, then the other. Right. I haven't checked, or haven't gotten anything from Gen Con yet about the final numbers. Apparently, Turnstile was up, so person days. But unique attendees, I haven't seen any numbers on that yet, so... There have been some noises that that got capped at 75,000, but I've heard other noises that they actually capped the unique attendees at more or less what it's been for the last couple of years because of basically fire safety and fire marshal concerns that they, I've heard rumors that they sort of drew the line at a point that the fire marshals were happy with because they right. didn't want to have to close anything down during the con. Yeah, that would suck. Yeah. And especially with some of those spaces, like the... There's half a million entrances into the vendor hall, so actually being able to manage flow into and out of that space would have been a bloody nightmare from start to finish. Hmm. So... I hope at some point they release the numbers. It will be interesting to see how it comes out. But yeah, Ooh. it didn't. It didn't feel that much more crowded. Uh, the the will call line, um, which is basically people picking up their tickets on site because mm. then they don't have to worry about things getting lost in post or things getting left on the kitchen table during packing, because mm-hmm. uh, that always happens. Uh, last year, the line basically stretched the entire length of the convention center and out the doors at the far end at one point. This time, it never got anywhere near that long. They, to a certain extent, the fact that they sold out had helped, because it meant they didn't have to have anybody selling badges. Right, they could just have people dipping into great bins of um, lanyards and so forth, and just handing them out as the people will called up, didn't need to process anything. (laughs) Yeah, so it went... Yeah, there were a couple of times when the will call line was solely within the either sort of the snaky barrier thing that they set up for crowd control and that was it mm. which was just bizarre to see um and yeah they they generally do a very good job of of managing managing the line there because due to due to the geography of the of the convention center there actually needs to be a gap in the line because it's going to stretch right across a hallway and right. so they do have a a system for dealing to dealing with that but at some point it hadn't even reached the gap which is an incredibly short line for will call so okay woohoo go so, gencon so they're they're rounding out the inefficiencies that they're aware of and still packing in more people pretty much um hmm. let's see so yeah it's it was a good con i enjoyed the hell out of it I didn't have a bad game. I had some games that were a bit slow to start, but none of them that I walked away from thinking, well, there's four hours of my life I'm never getting back. Nice. I did manage to do the classic Gen Con thing of just not giving myself enough time to sleep. And so, yeah, there was one game I had to bail on because uh, by the end of the previous game, I was starting to get the shakes. And another four hours of gaming from 9pm till midnight was probably not a goer. Fair enough. So, speaking of games, you what, what did you get and collect All from right. your travels? <clears throat> well, first up, there was a Quags game. Candyland Has Fallen. Basically, mm-hmm. Suicide Squad meets Yellow Submarine. Good. Okay. Um, because it's Quags, the GM just 
costs to make characters at the table. So it's effectively inmates of Candyland Maximum Security Prison make up your characters. So we had Wily e. Coyote. I was playing the head flying monkey from The Wizard of Oz. Next mm-hmm. to me was the evil queen from Snow White. Uh, we had somebody based on an atomic fireball. Okay. A kind of a three a three foot tall Chicago gangster character from some cartoon I don't know, and somebody else who I've just completely blanked on. But it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is very much... It was very much the Suicide Squad vibe, even down to the exploding neck collars. So, of, of prime concern was getting to King Candy so that he could deactivate these damn neck collars for us. So, sort of shades of, was it Escape from New York? Yes. Um, I got I got to out-evil the evil queen, which I'm quite happy about. As you would be. Yeah. Well, is, is there a gaming story on that? or oh, a, a very brief one. It's mostly the evil queen, and the player doing the evil queen was just fantastically... Um, yeah, fantastically self-centered, and I am the ruler of all of you in, in personality. It was beautifully done. And so when we needed to sort of descend from where we'd landed our flying carpet to to the throne room, and uh, it was yeah, the instruction was just, oh, the monkey can carry me down. Fair enough. The monkey tries this. The monkey doesn't do very well in his flying role. Uh, and it's pointed, yeah, it is pointed out, that's actually a really bad role. You're probably going to fall and die. Unless you want to spend some uh, spend some yum-yums. Player playing the evil queen says, well, the monkey can spend some yum-yums. Me, as the monkey, says, or I can just drop your ass. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. That was a nice moment. I was hoping that would happen. <laughs> Actually, I was told I was I was I think I think it was on actually the Fear the Boot one of the, the most recent um, episode the most recent episode which is a really good one I would I would um, recommend that to anyone. Um, but one of the things they mentioned was the Quags quirk character quirk. Yep. Just, the, the guy described it as being the one thing they can do that no one else can do. So each character has something that they do. And I like I actually quite like that as a nice simple way of saying we've got everyone has something unique they are able to do. And it's very, very clear that GM can say, right, this sort of problem this sort of problem, it, it might suggest this sort of solution, but somebody has got that covered. And mm. it's it's one of those it's it's relatively easy to get, you know, polymath characters or think people <laughs> spread their, their their abilities around. And wind up feeling a bit sort of mutually redundant. Yeah, you've got... Yes, there is the, the gimmick. Is... Or at least on the yeah on the character sheet for that game, it's the... Yeah, it's the gimmick. So I had a job of mm-hmm. henchman. Gimmick, flying monkey. And weakness, follower, not a leader. Fair enough. Well, that, make, that makes good sense. Well... Yeah. Vaguely implied in the henchman. There you go. Well, yes, I, I wanted to um, also <clears throat> in a, a wonderful and at the time unintended, though I'm totally owning it uh, after the fact. Um, a wonderful but unintended moment. We found ourselves being attacked by people with jetpacks. I took one of the jetpacks off the people, meaning that there's somebody out there for whom a monkey took their jetpack. Nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> Of course, I took off him in midair, so, you know. <laughs> it's he, wasn't, he, he might not have appreciated the um, fourth wall-breaking irony of the whole situation. Indeed, yeah. Which really is just on him. And, indeed. Cool. Okay, so, Quags, Candyland has fallen. I mean, I'm still always impressed by the, the Quags system, just for how quickly you can get a game going. Mm-hmm. Um... The fact that they can waste they they, they can waste um, space on the character sheet with a how to roll dice that has nothing whatsoever to do with reading them. It's just this is how you roll the dice. Sight gag um, is 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 fun because yeah, very very quick character gen. Okay, and I would I would say that also it points directly to the the manner in which the game should be played. Yes, I did ask that- somebody. And got told that it is possible to 
it is possible to play a serious game of quags, but they've never seen it happen. Mm. And it would not, there would not be that much of a point. So, mm. um, let's see. There was the oh, there was a they might be giants concert. Awesome. Yes, it was. Um, with racing Mexican waves, which was always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, they might be giants concert. Entirely awesome. Also, I had no idea that they'd covered a Destiny Ch- Destiny's Child number for the AV Club. I'd, I'd heard their cover of Tub Thumping, but okay. um, yeah, hadn't realised they'd covered Destiny's Child as well. So that was quite fun. Neat. Um, and I took an awful concert selfie because, yeah, uh, my travel phone isn't actually that great at shots in the dark. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, let's see. Next up, I mean, I am literally just scrolling through my 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 listo stuff. Uh, next mm-hmm. up was a cipher system game. Uh, cipher system is the thing that crops up behind um, the strange and Numenera, and I think Invisible Sun when it gets released will be using it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was well, the setup was essentially Half Life. Okay. Cross with the thing. So, Alaskan research base, weird experiment goes on, something happens. Turned out that something involved Nazis in power armor, big feet, as in multiple Bigfoots, um, some sort of carnivorous plant, and Mm -hmm. some lizard men. That's colorful. Indeed, yeah. It was kind of nice to be able to to do a, a quick ranking of okay, so this is what we found. What's our order of of problem here? We put the um, the big feet down the bottom because, other than a mild incident with sort of hitting one of them with a golf club out of uh, out of shock, we pretty much got on okay with those guys. Yeah, indeed. I mean, that's it. you don't start nothing, won't be nothing kind of crowd. So indeed, yeah, sort of 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 the three, sort of the carnivorous plant. Well, the carnivorous plant could be a problem eventually, but right now it's okay. The Nazis in power armor are clearly the biggest threats because they're fucking Nazis, and <laughs> the lizard men just kind of seem like dicks. So, <laughs> yeah. So, an order you got... get the Nazis to fight the lizard men. I don't know. It seems <laughs> some of them got fed to the um, the the giant carnivorous plant, so that worked out okay. Oh, that's good too. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We we helped the big feet defeat some of the lizard men, but then the big feet got eaten by the giant plant, which is unfortunate for them. Not ideal. Yeah. And then we killed the plant with a rocket launcher, so it all worked out. Sure. Um. Yeah. So cipher system. Sounds actiony. It was quite actiony um, as a system. It's it's a pretty solid system. It's it's quite simple. It it uses the you know I am a X Y who Z's kind of description mm. system that also crops up in Numenera and and, and everything else they do. Um, yeah, it worked pretty well as an actiony system. It was pretty quick, which is always nice for an actiony system. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it was quite, yeah, quite a fun group running around in tunnels in the ice, trying not to die. Um, next up, I think it was you who told me about the existence of Pugmire as a game. I believe it was, yes. Well, I didn't get into a Pugmire game, but I did get into a game of Monarchies of Mal, the Mm -hmm. anthropomorphic cat spin-off of... Pugmire, because as the GM pointed out, of course there's not going to be one monolithic cat kingdom, because cats don't work like that. Not even, not even slightly. No. So what you have is this loose conglomeration of monarchies under the house of Mao. Um, Shifting alliances. They're, they're sort of machinating over the sunny spots, as it were. Pretty much, yes. Um, the, the discovery that the way that a formal duel is uh, is is laid down with cats is that you go to somebody's house, you accept their hospitality, and then at some point you lock eyes with them, and then push an expensive object off a um, off a table or shelf while never breaking eye contact. <laughs> well done, well done, and and of course you have to have those sorts of things about. So this this thing can take place. A chunk of the fun of 
of monarchies of Mao, at least according to the, um, the the chap who was running it, is that the dungeons that you are delving into are the remains of the works of man. And mm-hmm. so you're basically having something that is actually familiar to you described in a really weird way. Mm. Um, for a while there, given that we were doing a a journey to some quasi-Egyptian thing going uh, was going on, I was wondering if we were exploring the remains of the Luxor Hotel in Las Vegas. Because mm. uh, for a little while the descriptions seemed to match up. Uh, then it was obvious it was a natural history museum. And so I was sort of, I wonder if he's going after a specific one. Ah. So once I get my hands on this game, the temptation is to just choose random buildings from New Zealand or bits of Australia that I know reasonably well and just use those on the grounds that nobody will ever figure out what the hell the building is. Hmm. Is there a scale difference or is it... Is it... No, these are six foot tall anthropomorphic cats. Perfectly standard. Cool. With, with thumbs. So... <laughs> we are, the world is doomed. Um... Cats with thumbs, yeah, we're basically screwed. Um, though oh, I mean, they're, the, still, they're still lazy, aren't they? Well, yes, and apparently the the disagreement, yeah, the the sort of religious disagreements over the role of man between uh, the cats and dogs were summed up as, you know, dogs think that the race of man were these these gods who who then left. Cats think of the race of man as these servants. And uh, the more religious cats think that if they are better cats, their servants will come back. <laughs> Which does strike me as very, very cat. Mm. And yeah, the system... Anybody who's played any of the Dungeons and Dragons or Dungeons and Dragons alike uh, systems will instantly know how this game works. Right. I believe it is still in... It's still in production. I did back the Kickstarter. So this was kind of a... a a beta test or an early release. <laughs> it did, however, give me the opportunity to test drive the solid steel golf ball sized D20 that I bought. I guess this is an appropriate moment to um, detour into the dealer hall and hear about the swag you found or cool stuff you went, must have, can't pack into on carry on luggage. Uh, well, a friend from here in Aylesbury had. had had contacted me basically once I was in the US asking if I could pick up a couple of board games for him. And I I had said yes and asked for basically a, you know, give me a priority list here. Give me something to work off. And so a priority list came out. And then I went and started looking at some of these games. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that double depth game boxes were a thing. Ah, yes. Yes, they are. Yeah. I was running with a my my seventy liter hiking pack, um, affectionately known as Big Red because it is red. I could have fitted that box into the main compartment, and that's it. Yep. Um, yeah, it was just basically a. I, I think I stopped looking at about item four on the list because just there's no way I cannot physically fit these items in there. Not going to mm. happen. Next year, I think I'll just. Buy a rolling suitcase or something, it'd just be easier. In hindsight, I should have paid more attention to Gen Con swag, because getting stuff back... Uh, I didn't have to break anything out of its boxes, but it was a close-run thing. Right. Uh, yeah, volume rather than mass. I still had five, six kilos of, of weight allowance left, not including carry-on, but it was just the volume was the issue. Mm. Uh, but yes, I got, I, for my own self, didn't actually buy very much. I, I got the Metal D20 because it was awesome and I wanted it. Um, and I got some Metal Fate dice because of reasons. <laughs> Compelling, important reasons. Okay, so I wanted those two. I, I didn't, ha- don't, don't have any Metal Fate dice, and now I do. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did buy one gaming related thing. And that actually relates to the very next game on the list. Ah, nice segue back. Yeah, I see what I did there. Um, Yeah, this was the game out on the field in Lucas Oil Stadium. And I am looking at the photos I took, and I cannot see anybody in the seating. 
though it's possible they're kind of below the horizon because the seating goes up a really long way. Uh, so yes, this this was a game running under the auspices of uh, Contessa, who, if memory serves, started out based on wouldn't it on the the idea of wouldn't it be awesome if more games written by women and run by women happened at conventions. Mm-hmm. And then kind of expanded to, hey, wouldn't it be awesome if there were more games written and run by people who weren't straight white men? That, yeah, <laughs> there was there was definitely room to um, improve there. So, yeah, this was a game of masks, which is a powered by the apocalypse teenage superheroes um, game. It has been getting a lot of good press lately, and I've heard a couple of really interesting APs. Damn, I know I listened to... Did the Jankcast do a an AP at some point, or...? They may have. I've been list, definitely been listening to the Happy Jacks crew. Gotcha. I know I've listened to an AP of Masks, I just genuinely cannot remember whose it was. Oh. Uh, yeah, it was a fun game. Um, I went with my almost standard convention technique at this point, which is that when they're they're laying out the the character sheets, or in this case, the, uh, the plate books... I just go with whichever one ends up in front of me. And it has has yet to betray you, so... It's worked okay so far, yeah. So, yes, I ended up with the the the, the, the bull playbook. Nice. Which, yeah, the GM described as being... Yeah, the others are kind... Yeah, a lot of the others are kind of woolier. The bull is a really specific sort of character. Mm. And it is... Because I sort of looked at the looked at the picture on the front, and you've got this fairly cool dynamic image of of um, young woman doing dynamic thing, and thought, screw it, let's just base the entire character on that image. Uh, did the description, at which point one of the other players says, "Okay, so basically like Jessica Jones," and my response was, "Ah, fuck." <laughs> <laughs> at which point the person next to me said, "Eh, don't worry about it. It's not like there are any original superhero character ideas left at this point." Have you seen Defenders yet? No. <laughs> Sorry, for some reason I'm put into mind of the um, the Iron Dra- uh, the Iron Fist Danny Rand, I... most annoying, the most annoying one. <laughs> I have not seen the Iron Fist movie either. Oh, that's it. just the series. It's the Marvel. Uh, okay, because um, yeah, yeah. there was a movie. There was an Iron Fist. No, no. Okay. Oh, Never. there was a series. Yeah. They okay. did the Luke, they did they did uh, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist, and the first three were pretty good, maybe a bit long in places. I... And the fourth one was a baffling mistake. I gave up. I had to stop watching Jessica Jones. I didn't make it through the first season. I really wanted to like that show, yeah. but I I just I basically noped out after about the third convenient escape due to reasons of plot by the David Tennant uh, villain. It's just, okay, I'm done. Just mm. throw a girder through the fuck and get on with it. You found it frustrating. I found yeah, it frustrating. Just... It was sort of... Um... I, I'm just... I am just in awe of uh, David Tennant's range at this point. Oh, yeah. He, he does He he does a thing where in photos, he, he looks Weasley when he's playing... Um, Kilgrave. It's it's remarkable, um, but he's also the voice for Scrooge McDuck, and pulls it off perfectly. <laughs> Kilgrave McDuck. Yeah, that'd just be disturbing. But yes, okay. Sorry, I I, I butted it in there. No, no, no. Sorry. Please butt in. Otherwise, it's just going to be me ranting about Gen Con, and who wants uh, to hear that shit? Come on. Hopefully, the people listening to this podcast. Sorry, folks. We'll get back to it now. Sorry, yeah. you. you Picked up the bull. Picked up the uh, bull playbook. Bull playbook. Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, I do get the. I mean, this is the first powered by the apocalypse game I've played. It does feel like the sort of thing that would work better in a campaign. This wasn't a bad game by any means, mm. but a lot of the stuff kind of feels like, or because the game is more about the interactions between the between the characters, and it really is about p- punching uh, supervillains, it kind of... Yeah, it, it struck me it would work better in a multi-session game than in a four-hour convention slot. Well, a lot lot of games benefit from a time to breathe and to develop a bit, but the the interactions between different folks and uh, the different 
characters and having them encounter something, learn something about themselves and one another, and then have them interact. Yeah, that make that makes, and I think that is if you're playing through the characters, I think that would be true for anything because mm. it is difficult to go. I mean, you, you could have a heart to heart after every goblin you killed in a D and D game. It would just seem a bit weird. A little bit, yeah. Maybe Blue Rose. Somebody mentioned the Blue Rose system to me, so... I'm I'm thinking Blue Rose in reference to the Twin Peaks reboots. What are you thinking of? Uh, there is an RPG called Blue Rose. I'll see if I can find a link. Who, who is on okay. the show notes this time around? Is it me or you? I do not know. We'll, we'll fight to the earth for it later. Yeah, well, I mean, let's... Yeah, just, just to give a heads up, people. This is not going to be very heavily edited, if at all. So, <laughs> just laying that one out there. So yeah, there right. was masks, and as a result of masks, I decided that was a lot of fun. I would like to buy this game. Unfortunately, IGDN, Indie Game Developer Network, uh, mm. their booth had sold out of masks, but I did buy some of the little... They basically had a pack of villains, so just cards, and a, a pack of uh, sort of influence cards for part of the in-game influence mechanic. So I mm. bought some of those on the basis that I will buy the game at some point. Though, yep, I have to figure it will out be, how. It will be available to um, to be purchased at some point. I'm sure it is, it, is, it is reasonably hot at the moment, so yeah, it'd be one of those things that would be being picked up. Yeah, I eventually I had initially tried to find a place to buy it, but my um cell phone my cell phone was being helpful by hiding the actual useful content of websites from me because it's good like that. I eventually found a a place that you can actually purchase the damn book. But yes, for a while the the phone was happily as near as I can tell it was happily hiding menus off the screen because oh no, you wouldn't want any of that pick list shit. Uh so thank you very much Motorola. Turn it sideways. Maybe uh, that'll help. Actually, yeah, that's what did it. <laughs> nice. Um, so, yeah, there was that. The second game of that day, we're now up to Saturday at this point, uh, was mm-hmm. a Trail of Cthulhu game for something called... A setting called Cthulhu City, which mm-hmm. is just all kinds of dark and fucked up, and I loved it to bits. That sounds wrong. Mm-hmm. Basically... Well, as the the GM pitched it, imagine a city where the Church of Cthulhu is the church. Right. They're out there in the open. And so you've got this cyclopean city that you don't remember necessarily being on maps back when you were a kid, with these huge windowless buildings that seem to be older than anything could possibly be. And it was basically just dark and oppressive. The GM was worried, because he's normally a Knight's Black Agents GM, he'd signed up to run a Trail of Cthulhu game by accident. He was worried that he wasn't (laughs) doing a good job of it. The players were enjoying the hell out of it. Mm. And at the... Yeah, it was one of those... Sort of think... A very heavy Dark City vibe. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because that was a delightful romp of a movie. Indeed. With elements of the cabin in the woods, um, particularly for the ending, because the ending very much did come down to... So, there's this weird magical ritual. If we let it happen, it remakes the world. If we stop it, everything remains status quo. And in the end, the decision just came down to whoever the first player to say, yeah, I walk into the church was. They got to make the call. It's a fantastic ending to a game. They chose status quo. How could it be worse than it currently is? Well, the chanting guys have some ideas. Mm. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the character who walked in... Yeah, I mean, if, if my character had walked in, it would have absolutely been, yeah, burn it down. This guy mm. who walked in, he was a well-respected uh, medical professional. He was doing all right. <sighs> it was reasonably obvious which way he was going to go, though he did poll the party. Yeah, it was, it was a good one. It was, it was a fantastically creepy game. It was slightly after that that I hit the wall and had to had to bail on a game, which I don't like doing. Um, I did try to find somebody at that at that game because it was this 
30 to 60 person semi lap thing. Ah, right. I did try to find somebody to give the ticket to so they'd at least get credit, but I sort of stuck my head in and genuinely couldn't find a GM. So I'm assuming they were in there somewhere. It's just that it's a lap. So they're probably in the midst of the people wearing the feather boas and the gold lame hot pants. And no, I'm not making that bit up. That is my understanding of how LARP works, pretty much, yes. Yeah. And the very final game, I got a chance to play the Fate version of Eclipse Phase. So, cool. Transhuman, transhumanist science fiction horror. Or transhumanist horror, I guess. Um, mm. And that was also a fantastic game. Awesome group of people. Uh, we all lived. So that was good. Given that in the previous, uh, apparently in one of the previous sessions, one of the GMs was saying, only two survivors, yeah! This does not bode well, people. And I was quite impressed with um, with the Fate fate edition of, um, of Eclipse Phase. Mm-hmm. Uh, from chatting to the GM, uh, one of the advantages of it is that it makes re-sleeving, basically putting your personality into a different body a whole lot easier because you're not having to respend hundreds of character points oh oh my goodness i did not realize that clip space was a point by system to my understanding i haven't played the original um, um and i will i will double check this with kevin and and get back because i know he's at least got the original mm. it does require okay you're making a character spend a thousand character points oh my goodness as I understand it, it's in the Millennium's End level of point buy. It's, and then it gets complicated by the fact that yeah, it's a transhumanist setting. Uh, as the the GMs explained it, once you've figured out how to make an a a strong AI from code, it doesn't actually take that much more to figure out how to take a wet brain and p- turn it into code. Hmm. And so you can put yourself in different bodies. With the results that you're in the standard setting, every time you re-sleeve your personality, you're going to be looking at changing all of your stats. Whereas using Fate, you're changing a few lines in the this is what morph you're in section, Mm. and that's it. For something that is predicated on physicality and even mental states being fluid... That didn't sound like the best idea for the basis of a system. I can see the flow of logic. Making everything very, very, very technical and very sort of atomic and, yeah, detailed, I can see. I can see the logic. I I went through the exact same logical um, steps when I was thinking of doing a Stargate game using Millennium's End. Hmm. And it wasn't until a bit later that I think somebody else pointed out to me that that's actually going to be a complete pain in the ass to play. Yep, and the Stargate is essentially pulp science fiction light on the science fiction. I think somebody described it as Colonel O'Neill has no head. That in in the Stargate setting, headshots don't count, it, or shouldn't do, because that's not really how pulp works. No. Whereas... Using the Millennium's End system, there are two different hit locations in the head alone. <laughs> the Jiminy's are their own location. <laughs> that that is a there's a long history of being able to be shot in the thirty two. <laughs> yeah. I don't even remember what that was. Um, uh, no one it's the, stung. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was one of the early post apocalypse one wasteland, I'm, I guess, or something like that. That it wasn't it wasn't like Gamma World because Gamma World wasn't that particular, but um, yeah, that's uh, for a start. It, while it was a story about a tactical paramilitary military organization, it wasn't all about having the right gear and you know doing the right tactics and things like that. It was about human ingenuity and perseverance and goodness. Sorry, I've been watching the tech reboot. So, see, I, I was wondering if you were going to go with uh, the the triumph of science and romance, romance over brute force and cynicism. A little, a little. It's more of a um, 
a triumph of enlightened pragmatism over um, despotic um, sort of antiquitarian sort of beliefs, I think. It's a little bit more in that way. Okay. You did the very important gamer thing again to secure your oh habitation. Oh my, and yes. I am never letting go of that thing. Oh, you, you're grandfathered in now, aren't you? You're a... Yeah, and to an extent that is part of the problem. Uh, because at the current... Yeah, I mean, when I got my badge, there weren't a lot of badges for sale, mm. but they were still sold as part of the regular system. I think they sold out in four minutes the year I got mine. A few years after that, there were so few of them changing changing hands, because basically existing VOGs get first right of refusal, mm. that they don't bother anymore. You send an email and say, I want to go into the lottery, and then they roll a dice. Quite a big dice, by the sound of it. Many sides. Many, many sides. I suppose, oh yeah, actually, I will also mention that the day after Gen Con, mm-hmm. there was a total eclipse across the US. Yes, I've seen some impressive footage. I imagine it was somewhat interesting being there in person. It was. I, I had only ever seen a partial eclipse before, and that through the sort of the pinhole and a piece of card technique. The original plan was to head head south to well, basically the bottom of Illinois, where you would get the path of totality. Mm-hmm. Those plans fell through. So instead, I was in Indianapolis, where it was, I think, 93% coverage. So still pretty right. good. Yeah. And, yeah, once again, referring to the weather. Basically, during Gen Con, Indianapolis is humid and hot. And at least when there's no clouds in the way, you can feel the sun kind of hitting your skin. Maybe not burning, depending on, on skin tone, but um, you can definitely you know feel it. You know, it's fair. Yeah. That was the really weird thing when the eclipse got really going, and it took somebody else to point it out, that the air felt different. Long before mm. you could really make that much of a difference, see that much of a difference in the amount of ambient light, the air didn't feel humid anymore. And naturally there were clouds, but for those times when the clouds got the hell out of the way and you got the sort of maximal eclipse at that area and it's sort of suddenly realizing, I can't feel the sun on my skin at all. Mm. It's just not there. And Mm. by that time it was, you know, the light level was down a little bit, but you you could definitely feel it in the air. For the first time that trip, it didn't feel humid. Wow. It came back again as soon as the sun came out, but... Uh, oh, naturally, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I ended up just sitting on a wall wall by the um, by the park, because, well, it occurred at roughly midday, so essentially all you had to be was not in the shadow of a building, and you were fine for visibility. So, and it didn't take long before people started crying out for ritual human sacrifice in order to bring the sun back. Well, yeah. it's It's interesting how... Like the the two and a half minutes without the regulation local stellar body can feel like a dreadfully long time and must have put the Wiggins up anyone who wasn't astronomically inclined back in the day. Yes, when the sun suddenly goes away, this is an event that has never happened before in recorded history, and you have no idea whether it's going to come back. Isaac Asimov and... um, Oh, Nightfall? Nightfall. And is it Sterling that he did that with? Well, he did the, did the, 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 the book mm, length version. Um, let's just see. I will just quickly look that up. Because, yeah, I read the short mm. story. Um, yeah, I definitely read a novel length of the same thing. Which, you know, as, as you're aware, and maybe our readers are too, that this planet of... Nominally humanoid aliens. I don't really discuss that particularly, but their, their culture seems fairly, fairly um, equivalent to Earth. Have something like seven local things that function as suns. A couple like a binary system over there, and a couple of 
you know, brown dwarves that don't put out a lot of light, but, you know, it'll, it'll count occasionally, you know, that it, that <laughs> you'll have parts of the day which aren't as bright as other parts of the day, but, and, and they're, and they're psychologically, they're, they're just unfamiliar with darkness and they have like scary things like, like a, like a tunnel where there's like blackout curtains and no light coming in. And it's like 20 feet long and it's terrifying. <laughs> so, yeah, when they're, 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 the the one time that their entire um, solar system goes into eclipse behind the local moon, um, they discover why there's all these layers of ash, and their recorded history only goes back so far. <laughs> yes, the the short story was creepy. The book didn't 100% grab me, but the uh, mm. that, that did get brought to mind. <laughs> yes. Yes, I did try to take some photos, but it turns out... Um, Eclipse glasses you got from a magazine slipcover in the Metropolitan Lounge of Chicago Union Station, uh, combined with crappy cell phone selfie camera. Eh, not that great. Fair enough. Uh, other people took much better photos. And then NASA, of course, trumped them all by taking a photo of the eclipse from space. Yes. Because they're show-offs. Uh, and there's also the Smart Everyday YouTube channel who managed to get the ISS in the shot uh, as the eclipse was, as the moon was eclipsing the sun. Nice. For all of like 12 frames, because it was going past at fair rate, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, pretty good. I'm just sort of thinking of other things of note. I discovered that there is a mechanism for getting stuff out of a hotel room safe when the batteries have died and it won't respond to mm. any of the button presses. You call a guy? Basically, yeah. You call security, or you call um, the front desk. They send a security person up with the unlocking tool because they're working on the theory, presumably, that when the customer says, it won't respond to any of the button presses, what they probably mean is, I've forgotten the code. Right. <clears throat> in this case, I hadn't forgotten the code. It really wasn't responding to any of the button presses, but they had to check that first. And then Lou turns up and just disassembles the front of the safe, replaces the five AA batteries, and it works again. He did also bring a complete replacement lock mechanism for the safe. And apparently on a few occasions, they've had to sort of swap out the motherboard because it's broken. And on at least one occasion, according to the security person, they've had to drill the safe. Now, presumably if the motor fails or something, it's inside the door. So... Ah, uh, right. Yes, if it's all electronic and, so, and a part that, that moves shit burns out. Yeah. Also discovered upon chatting to the security person, and if anybody listening has, has run into this at cons, I, I would genuinely love to know, because apparently the, the amount of lost property from Gen Con, it is the one downside of Gen Con that... Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the gamers in general, yeah, the restaurants seem to like them because they're relatively undemanding. All they want is large amounts of food and they tip well. There's a stereotype Terrible. here, but yeah, these people can eat and they tip. So, and they're, and they're pretty chill because they're on vacation. So that's all fine. And check out, okay, check out gets a hammering, but they're used to that. Apparently mm. the amount of lost property in rooms is phenomenal. So not very organized. Which, of course, is weird. People have been trained by D&D &D to use every last, like, uh, scruple of carrying capacity. Indeed. And this is things like, you know, sort of phone chargers. Okay, that happens. The occasional item of clothing. A board game. A stack of board games. She did mention at one point having to make multiple trips, because, of course, when, when, as I understand it, the cleaners will get to the room, discover that there's a bunch of stuff in there, so they'll call the security people to move it. And yeah, on occasions, she'd had to make multiple trips to carry the board games that were left behind in the room. Hmm. Which just makes me wonder, how many things are you buying? This is acceptable losses. Or because I've not done the convention thing where you've got a bunch of people cramming into a room for for money-saving um purposes is that just a knock-on consequence of having lots of people in a room and everybody checking out at once maybe maybe it's just yes the, the 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 fatigue and disorientation and you know panic 
travel schedules means that yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is what this is one of the circumstances where my kind of inbuilt anxiety levels really work in my favour because I won't, I can't check out of a hotel room until I've opened every drawer and checked under all of the furniture, even if I've never used any of the drawers. Just a thing. At, at this mm. point, it's just easier to use the torch on my phone to shine it under the bed to make sure nothing's fallen over, under there. That sort of thing. In, in all seriousness, if any of the listeners out there have run into this, I. I would be genuinely interested, and also, what the hell do you do about it? The anxiety or the missing board games? The missing board games. The anxiety, I just kind of live with. Yeah, fair enough. The the, the missing board I mean, did they, did they post them? What do you do? Has it, pick them up next time? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they've just got a kick-ass break room, and they've got, like, every version of Carcassonne and, and so forth that's ever been published. Ah, yes, the J.W. Marriott Extreme Catan Tournament. Indeed, and they just put in a fake booking in one of the board on the uh, one of the ballrooms. Put together all of the Catan boards into one mega board. <laughs> I kind of hope that happens. That would be awesome. That would be okay. Maybe we can play. We can play the big red couch game. The use your 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 inside knowledge and so forth to to set up a game about being hotel staff during a role playing convention. I mean, you could go. You could go go with a very easy port of zombie cinema. Yes, the running of the nerds. <laughs> Though, as I understand it, for for chaos and mayhem and horror, uh, business conventions or some church conventions are a better way of going. Really? Ah, uh, yeah. One of the the car parking people had basically said that there you know, for Gen Con they never bother having a a patrol car nearby. Whereas the previous week there had been a um, meeting, a convention of Pentecostal ministers, and there'd been multiple arrests for public drunkenness, vandalism, uh, and I think public urination. Right. Yeah. They're all deep, apparently. Yes, yes they do. So that was more or less my Gen Con experience, and I'm not sure what else to mention at this point. What What have I missed? What... Um, like you said, the last time there was lots of youngins and proto gamers and and families and uh, a good representation of different types of folks playing games. That was still the experience this time. That was still the experience. I had a couple of games where, yeah, there were probably very early to preteen players, mm-hmm. which yeah went pretty well. One of them was quite on the young side but did okay within the confines of being quite on the young side and the other one was playing Wiley Coyote and did a really awesome job of it so well yeah that's a pretty <laughs> the, uh, Wiley Coyote is the kind of character one can encompass at an early age you know it's just a little of enthusiasm and you're there yep he travelled everywhere with his taxidermied roadrunner <laughs> and that is almost touching <laughs> yeah, the 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 generalized diversity. I think at Gen Con, I mean, it's still at least within the RPG or the RPGs that I've played, it is still heavily heavily white male. But almost all of the games this year had at least one female player. One of them had a female GM. It wasn't entirely a bunch of white guys sitting around a table experience, which is always good because. Well, mostly just because it is. <laughs> to, to, to be blunt. <laughs> and seriously, as, as games grow and there are more voices and more people who will buy the damn games, it's good for everybody. So, Pretty much, yes. And you're already making daft plans to go back next year, as I, I see from Facebook. I am making daft plans, mostly because Gen mm-hmm. Con is a, a good deal earlier next year. Oh, it's right, right at the start of August, and it occurred to me that I would be able to go back to New Zealand for a visit, be in New Zealand for my birthday, mm-hmm. which hasn't been the case since 2015, mm-hmm. um, and then go to Gen Con on the way back to the UK. Still cool. trying to figure out flights. Yeah, I'm, it's still very much in the, okay, let's kind of figure out some rough dates here. How, you know, how long do the flights take? Because some of them are a bit weird. I mean, 
Auckland to Indianapolis is almost calendar neutral. Allow, you know, if you don't take into account the um, time spent at airports, you pretty much land at the same time you took off. Right. Uh, on the other hand, London to Auckland, it's at least 36 hours on the calendar. Hmm. Cool. So you've got to line those things up and get logistical. Cool. It'll be it'll cool to see you uh, in the flesh or or rather than on your YouTube channel. Or, were you talking about that? Or <laughs> um, I might link a couple of the, the YouTube. Yeah, I mean, the YouTube channel will just me pissing about, to be brutally honest. And it seemed to work okay. Mm-hmm. And the videos were very short, mostly because the phone had very little memory. I did try to do a here's all my cool swag video, and it timed out at about the four-minute mark. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I couldn't get one of the boxes open. <laughs> so it wouldn't have been a great video anyway. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I cannot yes. open this thing. Screw it. I'll just come back to that one. So it's that storage fills up, or I guess storage and active memory is the same damn thing on a, on a phone these days. Pretty so. much, yeah. It's It only had eight gig. And right. most of that was taken of storage, and most of that was being taken up by operating system, a few mm. apps, and enormous amounts of my, uh, Motorola bloatware. Right. Next time, I'm just taking the Pixel. It's just easier. Uh, get myself a a plan with roaming everything because they exist, and just use the UK number for everything because. I am so done with getting a phone number for two weeks. It's mm. just annoying. Alrighty, so thank you for telling us the tale of your heroic exploits in the Indianapolis and um, at Gen Con. Thank so. you all for listening to this long and rambly and mostly unedited, uh, unedited bit. I suppose the question comes to, what is our next episode? Uh, currently untitled, if I'm looking at the... Um, Mm. Our, our glorious cello board. I could just reach into the box of mysteries and draw out a card at random, and we could go with that if you like. And once we, <laughs> so we can we catch up. That's the sound of the mystery box opening. Indeed. Uh, look, those ones we've done. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Fake a riffle cut. With my old business cards. Indeed. Yeah, they're not not good for shuffling, I'll give you that. Okay, I'm going to cut once. Left or right? Left. Cut twice. Top or bottom? Bottom. Cut once. Left or right again? Right. Flipping over that pile, we have Lore Adepts from Just Dave and the Thursday Gamers of Montreal. Woo! Episode 96, indeed. Thank you, Dave. We've gotten good mileage out of those suggestions, though. I do wonder how many more of them are left. I, I could leaf through, but um, that would that would somehow spoil the... Um, it would cheapen things. Somehow. Yeah, in a way <laughs> that we can't entirely explain. And we will um, select a few more for the, uh, for the pipeline, because in an amount of time, in fact, within the course of the year, we will hit our 100-plus bonus episodes. If you imagine this to be a bonus, uh, you're a very generous person. Thank you. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. We, we appreciate your kindness. Um, we will hit 100 episodes. And um, we really have to figure out what we're doing for that, because if we don't mark it, um, some, someone has to acknowledge the fact that we've been goofing around doing this for as long as we have. For 100 Stop sounding surprised. It's just, it's just roll with it. Come on. <laughs> I, I was, yeah. I mean, I was amazed when we got to ten. Yeah. Fifty was a bit of a shock. This, this false humility thing is getting old, man. We got to just get all bombastic. It's the, it's the, it's the new thing. I don't know. If we get too bombastic, the next step is like sports podcasting. I believe that's how it works. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Wildly uninformed sports podcasting. What what are a sport? <laughs> yeah, there's got to be a niche for that, right? right? People, no, they probably don't. Well, that's our rambling and not particularly coherent, and I suspect not particularly interesting Gen Con wrap-up. It would be nice to do more stuff at Gen Con. I think for next Gen Con, yeah, it would, it would be nice to try to do stuff, sort of daily wrap-up or something. 
Yeah. I'll see if I can, over the course of the year, figure out a way of doing that sensibly. Or at least, you know, explosively, if you can't do it sensibly. And it's true. All right. So, thank you very much for listening, everybody. We will catch you next time with episode 96, Lore Adepts. This has been the Big Red Couch Alleged Gen Con Special. Bye. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time.